Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, is the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Sosha. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with you back for another episode of The Coach this week. First and foremost, do not mind me. I'm fighting a cold, but I am not stopping for this new metal, baby. <laughs> new metal is here. It's here. That's right. That's and right. Not only that, the the listeners demanded we do this episode. This episode chosen by our Patreon patrons. They said it's time to talk about one of some would say the big four, one of the big four new metal, Lincoln Park, and their third and some say first controversial record minutes to midnight we're gonna talk all about this record today jenny when did this album come out this album was released on may 14th 2007 well that is uh post come down but also in that weird hangover phase i mean i think this is i think this is probably as late as the come down goes I feel like this actually might contribute to as a a real strong delineation point between the come down and the hangover. Jenny, we'll start with you. Any history with Minutes to Midnight? Uh no. None at all. How about you? I uh I was, you know, a big LP person. Uh coming off of Meteora, Faint for Life. As we know, I know, and mm-hmm. uh, so I was I was ready. I was like, "Where's this? Where's this new Lincoln Park record?" It's a four year break in between records, which is wild, taking some time, and um, and I was very much ready and anticipating this record, and when it came out, I said, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> are you doing boys what is going on what's happening things did not go well for me in this record at the time i don't know if i i I should see i didn't even look up i should see if i could find in my old live journal if i threw down some some thoughts on this record you threw down some heat (laughs) i might have thrown down some heat because i know that i wasn't feeling at the time since then i have dusted it off a couple times as you know as someone who has a lot of CDs, you know, and if you grew up in the CD era, you knew that sometimes you get a record and it's, it doesn't hit you, but man, you spent that money. So you got to spend that time, <laughs> you know, to see if oh, I got, I got, you know, this was 14 bucks. I got it. I got to get my 14. <laughs> I got to get my 14. And so I spent a little more time with this record and I've dusted it off a few times over the years. And I will say, and definitely during the listens for this episode, my opinions on some of these checks have changed. Some of my opinions, rock solid. Some of them have shifted, like the tectonic plates. Wow. Um, so we'll hmm. get into that. Matt, any history with Minister Midnight? You know, uh, I know this album cover, but I do not know this album. And I don't even know if there were singles. I'm sure there were, but I don't know if I've ever heard them. Oh, Matt, there were singles. There were definitely singles. Um, and, of course, you you know this cover art because it's the first time that the members of Linkin Park decided to grace us 
by appearing on the album art. And um, it also is a stark reminder that there, I'm going to say it, there might be too many people in Lincoln Park. <laughs> Six is too much? I, I don't know. Considering, considering, I, I remember I, I looked at this uh, album art last night as I read it because there's a lot more words in this than you would expect. Um, and uh, I was like, wow, look at all these guys in Lincoln Park. Um, Jenny, who's in Lincoln Park on this album? On this record, we've got, please hold, <laughs> we got Chester Bennington on lead vocals and a little bit of guitar sprinkled throughout here. Rob Borden on drums, percussion, and some backing vocals. Brad Delson on guitar, some string arrangements as well. Uh, Dave Phoenix Farrell on bass and some backing vocals. Joe Hahn, turntable sampling programming and some backing vocals as well. And of course, Shinoda, we got rhythm guitar to keyboard, piano, string arrangements, vocals, production, all of that. So the light up remains unchanged, but we do have a big change in the producing booth. Jenny, who do we got? Wake him up if you can. It's You're Rick kidding. Rubin. You're kidding me. <laughs> not kidding. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Big Rick Rubin. <laughs> Big Rick. Big, Big Rick. Rick oh in, in conjunction with Mike produced this record. Holy cow. Oh, hit the snooze alarm, boys. Well, let me tell you, Matt. <laughs> Sleepy um, Rick is at the helm. So um, they got Rick Rubin because... They've decided, you know, they made two records and now they're like, they're done with that sound and they're done with it because everybody else is sounding like Lincoln Park too. Everybody's just ripping off that sound. So they got to get away from it is the thought process. Now, 2007, forgive me because I think you are well, well established. I am... In my indie rock glory, I am uh, sound is silvering it up. I am not in a metal mood, thanks to Pat Boone. Is metalcore really starting to have a moment at this time? Is that the movement, the underswell, the general course of metal in popular genre standpoint? Like, is that what what is happening in the world of? metal music at this point as i recall it metal metalcore had been building in popularity this i think is the time of a lot of like very popular three name bands um as i think of them and also i think this is a, a huge part of thrash revival too Ooh. I'm trying to remember back to 2007 what was happening. Tough to remember that far Tough. back, but as I recall it, that that was it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you, Matt. I was deep into um, I was deep into the indie at that time. I was also deep into you know burgeoning bloghouse sounds. So you know, the Justice Record going on, hype machine downloading anything i could find 
Yeah, I'm not really. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that this was also a year of like a corn record that didn't even have a title that I think I like gave like a cursory spin to. So, um, I mean, things were shifting, and yeah, I'm looking at like top seven metal albums from. 2007 and okay i know bt bam and uh municipal waste i know dillinger escape plan i know shining v i I've, i'm sorry i'm insulting I mean, I everybody machine know. head <laughs> had the blackening watain like these are bands that i do not know at all death spell omega guys i do not know these bands malakesh <laughs> <laughs> i am an old man Oh, yes. No, this is all coming back to me now that we're talking about this. So there was also like a big, huge, like tech metal situation happening, like technical death metal was doing very well. And then there was also a lot of the doomy, stonery, sort of like groove metal stuff like Baroness released the Red album in 2007. So like I, I now remember this landscape. There was lots of fun stuff going on. So to have Linkin Park come out with an album during this time, which it seems to be like a reestablishing kind of like we're slipping down the walls. Let's see what we can grab onto. It's an, it's an interesting landscape. Let's say that. So while we were talking, I did dig through my old live journal and I did have something to say oh about boy. this record. <laughs> this is what I wrote on May 17th, 2007. The new Lincoln Park is extremely disappointing. <laughs> going against... Going uh, in hot. Coming oh yeah. in like a rocket. Going against everything they do well. It's Rick's, It's Rick Rubin's lamest production paycheck grab since Weezer's Make Believe, which, astonishingly enough, Minutes to Midnight, while not good, is still better than. Think about that. <laughs> Eat dick, Weezer. Eat it. Wow. <laughs> all right. What all goes wrong is while Linkin Park have always made whiny music. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely in a little bit of a denial right now. Um, uh, they're now trying to make whiny, important music. There's a Hurricane Katrina track and an anti-Bush track. Snoozerific. <laughs> wow. Oh. You haven't changed, Lauren, I will say. <laughs> Snoozerific. Snoozerific. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Some of the stuff, I, maybe I'll read some of this other stuff later as we get to the songs. Let's see. While never aspiring to high art, this wasn't lowest common denominator stuff either. Meteora, while not a devi big deviation from the sound, was a good mix of recording experimentation and crowd pleasing rock. Crowd pleasing rock. Jesus Christ. I know that the mere idea of rap, rock, and new metal is extremely frowned upon in 2007, but I guess that sense that's what I grew up on. I'll always have a little bit of a soft spot for it. Okay, there you go. True the seeds. to the core. 2007, uh, Lauren. Same yeah. Lauren. Okay, check out this parentheses comment. This is not an invitation for Crazy Town to come back. No, no. Also, <laughs> on brand. Um and then I said, I really think this one just might sink Linkin Park, considering how many ballads are on Minutes to Midnight. I don't know how their core audience could accept it. And then bot and then I wrote, bottom line, this can't compare to this with hyperlinks that might be dead. What did I link to? I linked to I linked to the video to what I've done. And then I think I think I linked to the video for faint. 
there's there's the only it's the only possible video I could link to. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Uh whatever wow. I link to whatever the whatever the positive this was, it's dead now. It's a mm. dead link. So Oh, somebody made it private. What did I link to? Anyway. So um I was not feeling it in two thousand seven. But it was uh very illuminating to see that there was coverage of this record. Uh, as you said, Jenny, many singles and most importantly, a rock doc. Rock doc. That is true. There's a hot little 40 minute doc, which I actually found to be interesting and well made, well put together. You get a lot more than I expected. I was texting you when I was watching it. And at first I was like, you know, and, you know, as we record this, we're all still pretty deep in the Beatles uh, get back eight hour breakdown, um, which showed them. And I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch that. Um, you know, you see the Beatles agreeing, you see the Beatles disagreeing, you see all of the experiences of writing these songs and, and outside tension and everything like that. And obviously we did our St. Anger episode and we all watched some kind of monster and we saw the tensions going on there. For the first half of this Lincoln Park doc, I was like, oh, being in Lincoln Park, smooth and easy, baby. Just six <laughs> guys just high-fiving every day. And then at a halfway point, we get a little tension. And that's when it really, I really perked up. Um, the section I'm thinking of, of course, Jenny, is the uh, when Mike and Chester <coughs> decide to let the other guys in the band give them notes on their vocals. And yeah, their <laughs> that was tough. That was an interesting something uh, that came to me in this thing, in this section of the doc shook me to my core. And I'll tell you what that was in a moment. But they it was really interesting because there was tension but i feel like it was the most well adjusted reasonable response to tension i've ever seen they're like we've opened this up for criticism we've never done this before but we don't think we want to be in the room while it's happening so we'll let rick moderate it we'll sit in another room deal with our feelings and then once we're past those we'll take the notes and like move on and make better art. And it was just like the most like of all, you know, I've had a lot of opinions about Lincoln park over the years, but of all of the people that I would be like, I'd go on vacation with these guys, Lincoln park. Cause I think Mark it'd be a pleasant time. Put it yeah. on the board. Yeah. Not I'd having coffee with, with Serge. No. <laughs> having a trip with Lincoln park. Yeah. Just like, you know, a little, a little a getaway beach house action with Lincoln park. Yes, Turks and Caicos. Let's go. <laughs> we're well, not we're not hitting the sandals though. We're not hitting the sandals. Not sandals. No. I mean they can they're doing all right. They can they can treat me. I would let them treat me to a vacation. They just seem so like normal, well adjusted. I didn't get a lot of ego in this whole thing. They still have the kind of goatees that scream every man. Oh, yes. There are some incredible goatees. <laughs> Those big circle goatees oh, that are Robert just like... Rob, yeah. Rob's got them going hardcore. Also, like I would say, except for Chester and Mike, the vibe of everyone else in Lincoln Park is IT department. Absolutely. Maybe that's why I felt so comfortable. 
I oh, was yeah. like, I could hang out with these guys. Yeah. Like Rob at one point is talking and his whole vibe is literally like, okay, I'm going to log into your screen right now. Um, let me know. That is that is the vibe. Yeah. Oh, and, my people. My yeah. people. And, um, and then um, and even when they're faced with the, the trials and tribulations of recording an album. So at one point Rob is like, I was practicing. You know, I was playing this part for like 50 to 100 hours. And then ultimately Rick was like, ah, you know. We don't need it. And it just ended up being practice. And that's fine. I was like, okay. And then there's a scene where they had forgotten to record a vocal for Chester and they'd sent him home. And he's like, we'd sent him home. It was 4.30. And in my head, I was like, oh, wow, these guys are doing it 4.30 in the morning. No, no, it was 4.30 in the afternoon. They were running it like a normal job. And they said, Chester, you can go home half an hour early. And then he was in his car and they were like, we need you to come back. And he's like, and then he turned, and then they turned the camera around and he's like, they pull me back in. Oh yeah, Chester. All jokes in this. Chester is is the comedian. He's always making jokes, doing bits all the time, having fun. Um, having fun. I mean, it looks like honestly. The, my one thing, uh, Rick Rubin is producer. Um, they don't say it, but it's it's really funny how it's like they were recording the album one place, or at least rehearsing it in one place, and then Rick's like, uh, "Why don't we go to the mansion?" And it's like, oh, why don't we go to your studio, Rick? Is that is that the move? Okay, sure. Yeah, we'll go there. I looked up the mansion on Wikipedia. And it is, yeah, basically it's like you get Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin's like, you got to go to my house if we're going to do this. Yeah, you got to come to Shangri-La. You, you got to come to the mansion because I got all my couches there, you know. I mean, the only time we ever see Rick, he is lounging. And we only see him a couple times in the, in the, uh, in the, in the entire 40-minute doc. Now, this is the thing that shook me to my core, and it is related to Rick lounging and also related to where Chester and Mike were waiting and getting pissed while they were thinking about people criticizing their vocals. You think in this world of luxury that like when you're sitting down in a studio, you're sitting somewhere comfortable, right? If my eyes did not show me that they were sitting on a common man's futon with a disgusting red cover that's where rick was sitting in the beginning that's where they were sitting while they were getting pissed thinking about people (laughs) criticizing the work that they did a futon much like the one i have in my office you're right jenny you're right i could envision rick rubin sitting behind you right now napping while you record a common man's futon (laughs) i mean this is these are multi-platinum I mean, there we go. Yes, Matt just made his background a picture of Rick Rubin napping on a couch. I just, I feel these, all of these people have made such a large, large cultural impact through the music that they've either produced or created. Let me tell you, if you want to go on a journey, (laughs) just Google Rick Rubin lounging (laughs) and your life will change. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I a futon. The common man's futon. The common man's futon. Common Maybe man's they futon. got it from a absolutely lovely and kind woman off of Craigslist like I did. She brought it to my house. It was very clean. And she said, God bless you. I'm so glad there are good people like you in the world. I was like, she brought it to you? She that's brought amazing. it to me. I'm telling you. Maybe that's they got a blessed futon like I have a blessed futon. I don't know. Maybe. But I was, like, not prepared for that. <laughs> wow. So 
with all this said, this record was a success. Number one record in the United States of America and 15 other countries. Whoa. It had the biggest first week sales of 2007, 623,000 albums sold. And then, I don't know who wrote this Wikipedia, but they said it was going on to be certified fourfold platinum in the United States. Fourfold? You mean four times. What is this fourfold? I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> um, double platinum in New Zealand, Italy, Ireland, Australia. Certified platinum in Canada, France, Switzerland, and the UK. 20 million copies worldwide. But despite its commercial success, mixed reviews from critics. Rolling Stone, however, named it the 25th best album of 2007 and gave it four stars. Mm. Um, wow, 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 yeah. wow. Mm. Yeah, for comparison, uh, Entertainment Weekly gave it a C. Melodic gave it two and a half. Los Angeles Times gave it two and a half. Enemy, Out for Blood, two out of ten. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Well, want to see what we gave it, boys? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. First track. A little bit of a, a mood setter. This is Wake. Oh, put that needle on the record. get it yes easing us in you want little... me to go to the next well, track I, well it does it does have a little bit i mean, you gotta give it another second because it does all right i hear that intro and definitely setting a more serious tone than we're used to in the past um and you know what i don't want to blow any minds here but songmeanings.com is fucking back for this record (laughs) this is an instrumental song no vocals we got six comments this is on the lighter end and i'm just gonna read this one from fallen leaves this song makes me think of a nightmare mainly because of the title so at the start, it's really quiet. It's a peaceful snooze. And then as the instruments get louder, the nightmare starts to build up and everything goes nuts. nuts. And as the instruments quiet down again, the person wakes up. Random. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, thank you for that insight. I think this is a nice little nice little taste, nice little moody boy to get us into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jenny, what are, yeah. what are genre tags on this record? Oh, shit. I'm so sorry. Our genre tags are alternative rock and alternative metal. Mm. Mm. And I'll tell you, this sort of atmospheric, swelling, moody boy situation was very popular at this time Mm -hmm. in the alternative metal scene. So they're right there with it. 
how about we see what we have next? Next, we've got given up. Matt, your nod lets me know that you think, as I do, that this song is certainly aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Do I think that it's certainly aggressive? I mean, I don't think you think it's aggressive. I think you think it's certainly of a kind of aggression. I would agree with that. Jenny, I want to start with you. Where do you you land on giving up? Uh, You know, I actually really like it. I was surprised, but I thought that this seemed like a much more just straight ahead alternative rock song. I think that it suits them well, and Chester sounds really good on this song. Of course, I I like the screams. I think because this feels less new, I have more of an appetite for vocals that are slightly smoother here. This just feels like a radio rock track, and I thought it was well executed. What do you think? You know what? This one I've definitely grown on over the years. I remember going on a drive out to Pittsburgh a couple years ago and decided to give this record another try, and I had forgotten this song. Like In my head, it was like, this album's all snoozers, but let's just give it a go. And that was me like, oh, I didn't know that it opened up with kind of a little bit of a ripper. Um, What I noticed on my listens um, now, which I will say, context for these listens is wild. My, My stereo listen was different from my car listen, different from my headphone listen. Um, for what you can hear. Um, the thing I really noticed was that you can definitely sa- tell that they are playing this live. This is not like they did before where they were building the tracks in the studio. Um, I also really noticed this jangly sound, which I wrote in my notes as a tambourine, but I learned through Wikipedia and also the doc is actually jangling keys. They... I don't know. It, it, the vibe feels like that they did it as a joke, and then they liked it so much that they kept it in. But it's claps with jingling keys um, in the background there. I wrote kind of rips. Sets a sets a different type of tone though, and lets you know that we're it's it's just a little bit different. Matt, you know, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty straight ahead rocker. Um, got that Lincoln Park vibe to it. Obviously, Chester's voice is unmistakable. Um, a lesser vocalist would never be able to pull off this track. And he pulls it off effortlessly, uh, but also a more straight ahead sound to Jenny's point. 
So um, I'm not upset at it, but I, I I can already tell it's going to be a, like as somebody who came off a of Meteora coming into this, I already know this is going to be a different record. Um, also, note on this song, no, Mike Shinoda. Where's Where's Mike Shinoda? Is he around? Mm. I don't know, but you don't really hear him on this song. Songmeanings.com, 93 comments. Jeez, oh, pizza. Uh, I, I don't know if you had any that you really like, Jenny. I like this one from XX Krypton Clark X, who said, Really? Does it matter what the band used to be or is now? Take the song for what it's worth. I think it's just a big, big goddammit song. Like you've been in enough pain and you're sick of it and you'd rather be numb than feel this way and no one gives a shit that you're hurting and you're pissed at yourself for letting yourself get this far, own worst enemy, and you've given up on feeling, hurting. No one will help you get rid of it and the pain is literally suffocating you. And the scream? Damn. Anger? Maybe. Whatever it is. Big eye, little eye. Wow. Wowie, wowie, wowie. I'll tell you, Lauren, there was so much that came with this record that I didn't really get into song meanings. So you might have to be our shepherd there. I, I, um, I will let you know that the commenters on songmeanings.com are earnest and feeling this. And they gave me, I, I had to show restraint and cut myself off because, I mean, you know, is it tempting to go through? the seven pages of comments for bleed it out it is tempting but we've all got lives <laughs> that's true that's so true okay and that spirit let's keep going up next we've got leave out all the rest you know sometimes it's hard to be outside but sometimes you gotta leave it all out to rest or leave it out all the rest. Or leave out all the rest. Sometimes, guys, <laughs> there's things you need to leave out. So just leave them out. All the rest. Leave out all the rest. That's Thank the name you. of the song, Leave Out All the Rest. I didn't hit the post, and I'm really upset. <laughs> So remember the other day where you were asking me, what is a broadening your audience song? Uh-huh. That's a broadening your audience song, which yeah. blows my mind because Linkin Park is enormous. Are you, you telling go. me? Are you telling me that you couldn't use a little bit more money, Matt? <laughs> I mean, I mean, bing bong. Listen, um, my favorite color is still green all right it doesn't matter if i got I, I never have enough green if you know what i'm saying all right and my favorite 
thing to touch is wet. You know what I mean? Come oh. on. Oh. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, me too, though. Water. Water at the lake house I bought with all the money I made. Hey! Hey! Lake house. Dead presidents. You know. And all of that, you know. Stack them and wreck them. I don't know what this voice is that I'm doing. But I love I've, it. I don't I, I've, I've oh, yeah. lost... This man. You mean to tell me? <laughs> you mean to tell me? I don't know. <laughs> We're recording earlier than usual. Perhaps he doesn't come out until the afternoon. Mm. I don't know. I'm a late Damn. sleeper. <laughs> must I be. need my sleep. I'm losing my touch. But I feel like this is an example of a broadening your audience song. Huge lift on the chorus. Lyrics about you know, being out of touch, bringing me back out, leaving them all behind, you and me against the world. Those are the things of which anthems are made of. Jenny, please. Yeah, this is this was one of their singles. Um, and it is a genre tag on this single individually. It's power ballad. So tis what tis tis what it is i liked this song i mean maybe it worked you know lighters out lighters up i'll just take it out well, <laughs> Light yeah. it and put it up. to to our point it's a testament to the power of chester's voice because again in a less capable vocalist's hands this brings this rings false and untrue and i don't like it but i'm okay with it because i like chester's voice so much I agree with that. Um, this one was honestly a big surprise for me. I remember at the time, and certainly my negative review from 2007 bears it out, that I was like, what are all these ballads doing on here? And this is certainly a move to go intro, hard song, immediate ballad on track three. Um, but I think this is one of the stronger ballads on the album. And uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's very good. Noticeable, though. We are now three tracks in and there's no Mike Shinoda. What's the deal? Once again, you know, you got little beeps and boops in there to remind you that Mr. Han's still in the band. Though I really got to question what he was doing for most of this recording. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I mean, that that might be the other thing is that, like, they made this move and everyone was like, don't worry, you're going to have something to do. Like, we'll, well figure he, it out. He directed the music video. Thank you, Jenny. This music video. I loved it. I loved it. It also showed the level of push behind this. This video, this was the fifth single. And we've, we got Jenny walk us through it. This video was very much, this was the space video. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. They basically are like, it, this is not what the vibe of it at all, but it gave me like a biodome feel or just like, they're just living in space, doing stuff together in space, 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 space. Space, I mean, space, space. I watched the video before I watched the doc, and the vibe in the video of them as astronauts is the exact same vibe as them making this album. Like, a bunch of chill astronauts in space. I don't really think there's much of a plot. It seems maybe to be slightly built around the plot of the movie Sunshine, Danny Boyle's space movie, which um, had a lot more killing and charred bodies. This gave all the guys in Lincoln Park a chance to pretend to be in zero gravity and also to put on headsets and press things minority report style. And I think they were just having a great time, you know, being astronauts. Yeah. Um, uh, the only person who gets to wear an astronaut suit is Shinoda, I notice. You get the shot of an astronaut with the 
the helmet and then he takes it off and it's Shinoda. And I was like, yep, there it is. Yeah. When he's talking about the video, Mr. Han said, we're explorers in space, just like when we go on tour. We're leaving our home life behind, and I guess it kind of ties into leave out all the rest and that we have to leave things behind in order to do something better. Whoa. There you go. The song uh, was on the Twilight soundtrack. That so, tracks. Yes. Yeah. So and that it is... was in a CSI episode as well. <laughs> so. uh, songmeanings.com let me know real, real quick that this was on the Twilight soundtrack. <laughs> Lots to talk about. Edward, how this relates to Edward, uh, how this relates to Edward's journey, Bella's journey. And I yeah. was like, you know what? I'm going to leave this be. I'll tell you what, I'm on Team Jacob. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. That's what I like about you. It's yeah. nothing but surprises. I'll wow. tell you, I watched the Twilight movies almost exactly a year ago. <laughs> All of them in a row. I was wow. like, wow. I, I formed opinions there and allegiances go. and... It's a good thing I didn't go into the song meanings comments because I would have started up a whole other war. We'll mm. take it right to Forks. Is that a real is. Rise of the Lycans right there? Yeah, that was for me. That's the Rise of the Lycan. Um, there it is. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm oh, we so did. tickled by that. Uh, we did not mention it. There was a video for Given Up. <laughs> Given Up was the fourth single, and it's a live video, but shot all with what feels like old cameras, old camcorder type cameras, very gritty looking, and mostly focuses on Chester and Rob the drummer. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you see any Mr. Han in that video. Um, very little Shinoda. Uh, fine video, unremarkable, but fine. True, true. All right, up next, we've got Bleed It Out. There he is. Mike! So I feel like yeah, that was. It, does it ever really drop, drop, drop? Oh yeah, it 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 keeps building. It keeps building. Okay. They add more and more as it goes along. Um, this was. I remember on my first listen. I remember that first listen. I was living in Port Huron, Michigan, in this apartment, and I put the CD on, and I remember going through this up and down of giving up and then leave out all the rest. And then this starts and I said, okay, we might be okay. Cause this song, this song is fucking good. And as time has gone on, this song has endured for me. This is, this is one that I think of a lot of other songs in uh, the later Lincoln park catalog, I think stayed consistent in their live shows to the very end. It's a party. It's a party. It's a Lincoln Park party. And I wrote in my notes that 
This might be one of their best songs and probably their last great one. That's oh my! Where I kind of stand on that one, Jenny. How'd you feel about "Bleed It Out"? Um, it, it actually I didn't like it that much. Um, actually, Lauren, I didn't really like it. Okay, I, <laughs> okay, okay. I see what you're saying. It is a party. Um, and it reminded me of like sports, like a, like a playoffs commercial or something. And it made me laugh because when I was like reading the Wikipedia for the song itself, it did say that it was like included in some packages like that. It's just not for me. Like I understand the appeal. It seems it's maybe it's like too much of like a youth, like jumping, saying like, let's go vibe. Oh, it's definitely has am... like, yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're in the bleachers jumping up and down in unison. Yeah. And normally what is playing is Mr. Brightside, but you could also put this <laughs> song in there. Yeah, I I guess like it wasn't the vibe I was looking for. I think it's a perfectly fine song. I prefer the the mood that the rest of the album was going in to this. And it's felt like a we are kind of going all over the place in terms of like anguish, power ballad, and now we got like a party song, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just don't know if I was quite ready for the party song, but that's, you know, just like what I think, man. What did you think, Matt? I, I was ready for a bit from an album standpoint. I was ready for a bit of adrenaline and I felt like I got it from this song. Um, I, I, I like that it was building. I like that there was a drop. I wanted the drop to be a little bit more sustained because there does become a kind of a diminishing, you know, diminishing returns on building where it's just like, just fucking drop it. Give me, just, you know, I need it in my veins. <laughs> um, you know, and Shinoda, I felt like it was going for it, which I love. I love a going for it, Shinoda. Definitely anthemic. Definitely, yeah, a bleacher burner. Like, yeah, this is, this is a, when you're in a group of people and you're all jumping up and down, and there's no reason why that should be fun, but it is. That's what this song is. Um, the uh, in the liner notes, uh, there are little things to little notes for every song, and uh, the note for this one is one of the band's goals on this record is was to enjoy it. This track is one of the places that is it is most evident. No disagreements there. Songmeanings.com. Frankly, fucking wild. I'll just lead you with the beginning of this comment from Dreaming of Attacks. Contrary to popular belief, this song is not about a tampon, nor is it about cutting yourself. Hmm. I'm sorry, popular belief? That's news to me. Not aware of that one. Um, (laughs) The music video for this song is, um, in my opinion, a big whiff. Um, I think when it was pitched, I think it sounded like it was going to be sick as fuck, but it's the band performing the song in one long unbroken take while there is a brawl going on on the dance floor in the crowd surrounding them, except that brawl is shot in reverse, so everyone is reverse fighting, but the band is in normal time and is also not reacting at all to the violence going on around them, and it just looks bad just looks kind of chunky and i mean they're not reacting to what's going on the fight the fighting seems kind of like nothing but it's also in reverse so it doesn't really have any impact i thought it was a bad video jenny yeah i think it i think you you kind of said this when we were talking about it separately but like it seemed like it was very ambitious and maybe didn't pan out the way that it was envisioned yeah it's a vibe i got but Mm -hmm. hey it happens nice try answered that video (laughs) they nailed it so there you you go. go All right, up next, we've got Shadow of the Day. 
Slowing it down again, almost immediately. And this, the first listen uh, for the show, I was like, ah, yes, that's right. Coming off of being hyped off Bleed It Out, and now we're slowing it down again for what honestly feels like, to me, a lesser version of Leave Out All the Rest. Um, This is fine, but I don't think anything on it is as strong as that other song. So, eh, it's fine. I mean, this is the one also I remember at the time, I think the, the... the vibe in some interviews or articles in Rolling Stone was like these guys were going for like the U2 crown, you know, and this one, this is like, I don't know. A very obvious lift of With or Without You. Exactly. But listen, there's only one With or Without You. And no disrespect to my boy Brad, who, an endearing figure in the documentary, a nice man. He's no The Edge. Yeah, I got heavy, heavy, heavy YouTube vibes from this whole thing, including the album artwork, some of the videos, this video specifically, it all gave me YouTube. And I I can understand, I can understand it. Like I can kind of, I don't think they didn't pull it off. Matt, you were going to say something. I I will say this is the first time I've ever heard this song. And with, I mean, we haven't talked about um, Chester's death. It hits a little different. Uh, Being having the first time hearing those lyrics sung and them being about like I close both locks below the window I close both blinds and turn away sometimes solutions aren't so symptom so simple sometimes goodbye is the only way that hits a lot different post his death so it makes the song more emotionally attaching to me than if I would have heard this pre his passing mhm in a way because because suicide doesn't make a lot of sense to anyone who's had to go through it and for someone to take their life at a public figure there's always why and then you and then unfortunately because our brains are like supercomputers they start trying to want to put together pieces and have something that doesn't make sense make sense or look for clues or how didn't we know so when i hear lyrics like that it makes me feel like they're saying something even if it's not fucking there you know what I mean? Even if it's me mm. reading a thousand leagues deep into something that like, yeah, I close both locks. Yep. And then what do we do? Because I've also been in the writer's room, you know, and to your point earlier, when you're watching people write things, it is like, okay, I think it's this word and that's emotionally touching. And then this is this and this is this. But hearing it for the first time fresh over here, the song really is emotionally impactful for me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And it yeah. also makes sense. Like we want, 
I think as like humans, we want things to make sense. So anytime something tragic or horrible happens, we're like, we should have seen it coming. This thing, that thing. And, right, and right, I right. don't know but whether like, that's right or wrong. I don't know, but I know what you're saying, Matt. And I, I got a lot of that listening to this record too. I mean, lyrically it's, I mean, I mean, honestly, with a lot of the lyrics on this album, you could, you could really do a, it was all there the whole time. I mean, give it, the first song is called given up. Um, leave out all the rest is literally about like, you know, when I'm gone, you know, leave out all the bad stuff. Only remember the good stuff. Um, shadow of the day is interesting because with the videos for it and with what they seem to have been going for, it's definitely more of a, like, we're in this time of anti-Bush proto-fascisms happening in the videos, Chester basically waking up in the middle of the night. At 11.55, minutes from midnight. Whoa. And uh, having, a, I would I believe, is a hot dog. You don't get a clear shot, but it looks like a hot dog bun. And um, and watching the news and seeing that there's, like, riots going on. And then he, he puts on his boots, puts on his clothes, and heads on out into these riots. And then is just sort of out there in the middle of all of it. And so it has this sort of... That's the thing, is that I... And I expected to hear something about this in the doc, and it never comes up in the doc, because maybe that's just me feeling very mercenary about this album and its intentions. But, you know, I'm thinking the YouTube vibe. I'm thinking about the fact of how successful American Idiot was for Green Day in 2004. You know, that was an entire anti-Bush record. And so my vibe was like, oh, they're going to go in there with this intention of making this type of political record. And they don't talk about that at all in the documentary. They're just talking about the process of like rewriting lyrics and rewriting songs, but then realizing, I don't know if you caught this, Jenny, that that it seemed like they rewrote a lot of things. And then at the end of the day, they were like, actually, the first thought was the best thought. Like we mm-hmm. rewrote it a million times and then it, w- it really wasn't worth it. Like we, we ended up, we were like, what we had to start was what it was. And that actually comes up in the um, notes, in the liner notes a few times. It's like, yeah, the difference between the final version and the demo, not much. And there's a, actually the the first line of Bleed It Out where Shinoda says, here we go for the hundredth time. That's because he had to he rewrote those lyrics over a hundred times. Um, uh, and so, yeah, there was this, yeah. I mean, I think they maybe like overpressured themselves on, up to a point of then like, you know, Rick Rubin waking up on the couch going, I, I think he already had it. Don't worry about it. I swear, the way that any band that works with Rick Rubin talks about him I feel like they're not saying the thing that they want to say, which is like, I don't really get what he does. Cause it sounds like he's just like, uh, don't do that. Uh, do that. Uh, don't do that. Uh, maybe that. Cause they're always like, it's so different. He's really hands off. It's like, just, I feel like he's not doing anything. Are we just not saying that? I don't know. I always feel like Rick Rubin is great for the people who can fill in all the rest by themselves. Like like Kanye, right? Kanye comes in and he's got a trillion ideas. And Rick Rubin says, maybe you're good with that one. And that's enough for Kanye to do the rest. But then you got another band that's like coming to a producer. And especially if you have... I mean, obviously, Ross Robinson, I think, is a very hands-on producer or somebody who's, like, leading and guiding the band and actually being like, it should be rat a pat pat pam and really hit the fourth. He's like, 
have you thought about the cosmos? It's like, what are you? <laughs> this is your insight? I mean, well, I mean, it, it makes sense to me why Linkin Park got along great with uh, Rick Rubin and Slipknot did not. Like, it just makes sense to me. I mean, I, I fully understand the concept of, like, get out of people's way. Like, mm-hmm. and help them get out of their own way. But I think, Matt, you're right that that only works with people who don't need that extra layer of... Kind of and maybe they don't, but it's just... Anytime we hear somebody talking about working with him, it, it's always new metal folks. It's very, it's just very funny to me because they're always like, ah, it's like this. You can tell that they're being very diplomatic because yeah. he's a legend. And he is a so, legend. but then you have someone like <laughs> Slipknot that it almost feels like every record is a fight, you know, like they're fighting yeah. it to get it out of the band. Like they have all the motions in it. And then you have, you know, other bands like, yeah, Linkin Park, who were just like, yeah, he just kind of sat there and said, okay, <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? Is that good? All right. Are we good for the next track? I Let's think do so. It. All right. What I've done. Okay, I've heard this one. Transformers, baby. That's right. Okay, this was a hit. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm talking already. I, I feel like this is a Linkin Park classic. It's a return to form. Yes, it sounds like other songs that they've done, but I mean, this is in their hall. This is in their greatest hits. Matt, never apologize for talking on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to stay quiet and hold in my feelings. No, no, no let no, it no, let no, it no. out. I mean, I mean, this is quite a forum to let us know that you are getting LP fan number 1 tattooed on your back after the show. Bingo. Um, but um, you know, this is also it did make me think though about the conflicting ethos of Linkin Park with this record and the vibe which is here we are we're serious Linkin Park now. Um, perhaps we're going for a YouTube vibe, or YouTube, a YouTube vibe. Perhaps we are going for um, a little more serious. We're going to talk about current events and all of that. But also, Transformers. We're going to put our song in the Transformers movie. Um, and there seems to be no 
angst and worry about this thing. There doesn't seem to be. It's. It seems like. I mean. Yeah, there's no there's no uh, conflict like that. I was expecting the music video to be intercut with scenes from Transformers, um, but instead it is intercut with stock footage of 20, 20 and twenty first century atrocities, um, which I don't think quite works. Um, cutting from starving Africans to Lincoln Park in black leather, looking cool in the middle of a desert. Again, U two vibe. Very you too. Big Bono vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this was, according to the doc, one of the last songs they wrote for the album. And I believe it because there isn't a ton of Mr. Han on this album, but he gets some scratchy scratches and some beepy boops on this one. Uh, so they were like, we got it. We got to do this. I wrote not bad, but not remarkable. But Matt, you're putting this in the pantheon. Jenny, where do you stand? I think I'm probably right in the middle. This is kind of like a classic Linkin Park song, in my opinion, but those songs don't resonate with me, really. So I can recognize it for what it is, but it didn't really capture me that much. Mm. Um, But, you know, we've talked about it before, and we talked about kind of watching them perform live. They are a really, really, really good fucking band. Mm -hmm. they're so good and it comes through whether i like it or not doesn't fucking matter uh but they're great they're great um one comment i want to mention on songmeanies.com from commenter cochise who said not trying to be a hater i adore lp's older songs first two albums better than sex but this song it's bland it's boring it's basically you too and he goes to talk about how he feels like they sold out and he says that they said in an interview, the people were saying they were new metal and they were, they were saying that they saying that that sucked. That's complete crap. The other players in new metal IMO disturbed corn. They're sticking with it and their fans love them for it. Minutes to midnight. I lost my respect for Linkin Park almost completely. If they bring out a new album, I'll be very wary to buy it. Wow. Very you know, wary. That you know how it is you walk into a record store and then someone pushes you and then suddenly you're at the register holding a Lincoln Park record. Like, how did this happen? I wasn't I'm wary of Very enough. wary of this. I don't want to buy this, but I'm going to. Oh, hey, I just gotta <laughs> warn you, you go in there with some hard earned cash. You might just walk out with a Lincoln Park record. Yeah. Not on guard. There's no <laughs> Keep your head on I, a at swivel. this time at this time you know it, it was not the land of spotify of course but there were ways that you could check out a record before you listen to it in fact record stores often have listening stations so mm-hmm. you know that i i think i'm gonna have to go back and song meetings and i mean jenny, jenny in your time at working at record time at the record store i mean was there ever instances where people were pay, paying for something and you could tell in their face they didn't want to but it's just things had gone wrong and they suddenly were buying a record they didn't want honestly actually yes and it was often cases like this where people were like i really like this band i don't know about this but i gotta buy it and check it out because when you have the collector mentality you're gonna get them all whether you feel like it's gonna be good or not so maybe it's not so that's, far off that's how i got my saying. physical copy right here i was there. like i was i had to try to go there you go. All right. All right. Up next, we've got Hands Held High. Hands held high. 
got to say something Lightweight, step it aside when we come in Feel it in your chest, the syllables get pumping People on the street get panic and start running Words on loose leaf sheet, complete coming I jump on my mind, I summon the rhyme, I'm dumping Healing the blind, I promise to let the sun in Sick of the dark ways, we march to the drumming Jump when they tell us that they wanna see jumping Fuck that, I wanna see some fist pumping Lift something, take back what's yours Say something that you know they might attack you for Cause I'm sick of being treated like I had before Like a stupid standing for what I'm standing for Like this war's really just a different brand of war Like it doesn't cater to rich and abandoned poor Like they understand you in the back of the jet When you can't put gas in your tank These fuckers are laughing the way to the bank And cashing a check Asking you to have compassion and have some respect For a leader so nervous in an obvious way oh, Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it down because uh, he's on a tear He's going He's going in. He's obviously out. Uh, he in the corner is Lin Manuel Miranda, feverishly taking notes. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh yes, this That's Matt, tough. you nailed it. You're right. Because I was like, why is this? I I was I'm sitting through this record. You're like, you need to give me more Shinoda, and you need to give it to me stat. And then when he shows up with this, I'm like, why is this not working? And I'm like, oh yeah, this has very big uh, slam poetry. I'm not really gonna make. And then they say in the doc that like. They were trying to make it like on the beat, on the rhyme, and then Rick was like, "No, change it up, make it more offbeat." And I was like, "Yeah, this just yeah, this just reminds me of something like Hamilton or something like that." And it is a political song, anti-war, anti-Bush, and it is um, tough for any. Those songs are very tough to have legs, especially if you start putting names to things. You know, rage yeah. works. Because very rarely did Rage ever say, like, the Bush administration. You know what I mean? They were just, like, vague and specific. Vaguely well, specific. You know, I mean, with, also with Rage, you know, um, you know, when you're comparing, you know, police departments to the Ku Klux Klan, that's just an evergreen statement. So There you go. <laughs> no changes there. Sad but true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is one where critically people either thought this was a strong indictment of the war or they thought this was the corniest shit they'd ever heard. This was a real 10 out of 10, 0 out of 10 thing with the ratings. Um, Makes I'm sense. pretty sure Enemy was like, yeah, if you want to hear like the dumbest thing ever, you got to hear this song. <laughs> like They didn't like this one at all. I um, I definitely am not into this one. Also, the drums remind me of like marching band. So I'm just imagining like Brad with like a marching band helmet on playing the drums behind Shinoda for this. So also it has an Amen chorus. I was like, nope. I see I see you and what you're doing and I'm I'm gonna pass. Jenny? I share your sentiments. Not for me. <laughs> but if I was like thirteen listening to this, I would have been like yeah, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> if you were thirteen listening to it, you know. Yeah. There you go. Up next, No More Sorrow.
I'm pull it down just because that was an epic intro. <laughs> it was epic intro. We're on a bit of a time crunch. No big deal. No more sorrow. I mean, I was happy that it got upbeat again, but I don't think the chorus really delivers. And uh, the vocal melody on this, on the verses, reminds me of Depeche Mode's Strange Love, which is frankly just a better song. So, oh yeah, that first verse is like, "There were times when my crimes." Times. Almost seemed unforgivable. Ah, that's why I liked this song. Ah, that's right. There it is. Mm -hmm. You have to make this life livable. (laughs) I I, I didn't know we were all Depeche Mode fans, and I'm happier for it. Um, We got hearts. We got souls, Matt. (laughs) We're going to be Depeche Mode fans. True, true. (laughs) Speaking of hearts, the next track is Valentine's Day. My insides all turn to ash so slow And the way is I collapse so cold So Matt, I'm actually gonna have you bring this one down because I'm going to have you bring this one down because for whatever reason, this chorus does not hit in, kick in until two minutes and 18 seconds into the song. What? I know. They were going wild. A strange decision. I um, This felt like this is really letting you know at this point in the record. We mean it. We believe it. We are going to do this many slow songs. Um, It's fine. It's whatever. I was, you know, at this point I was like, here we go again but yeah jenny valentine's day it's totally fine this is a pop record straight up mm-hmm. alternative rock pop radio whatever it was in the pocket for that there is a comment on songmeanings.com i don't think we have time to go through the whole thing it's too long uh but it's for Finns for gish is the writer and they just wanted to say to all of you that say this isn't lincoln park wake up oh, lincoln park makes whatever kind of music they want to they always have and they always will. And uh, they go on and on and on. And at the end of it, they said, if you want to listen to a band that makes all their CDs sound the same, then go listen to Nickelback. What? Oh, the ultimate. Oh, take that, punchline band. Take wow. it. <laughs> they deserve it. Yeah, no band has ever they. been as bad in the history of the whole fucking world. <laughs> It's hilarious every time. It never gets old. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! All right. Nickelback of a comment. Yeah, got him. Fuck yeah, yeah. Evergreen. Burned to the core. Yeah, burned to the core. All right. Next, we've got in between. Let me apologize to begin with Let me apologize for what I'm about to say But trying to be genuine was harder than it seemed And somehow I got caught up in between Let me apologize to begin with That's Shinoda, right? Matt, it is Shinoda And let me tell you something here 
This one, a surprise for me. I'd forgotten the song completely that you know to sings on it. I like it. I think he does a good job. In the documentary, I think they're a little too defensive about the fact that they let him sing on the song. They're like, yeah, Chester said I sounded better. And they and then I was like, okay, and then I sang on it. I was like, we believe you. You're it's your band. Do whatever you want, Shinoda. But he was like, Chester said I should sing it. And everyone's like, Yeah, I think Chester, yeah, Chester said he could sing it. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's fine. You're it's your band. But you know what? I get it because individually we can have that conversation on mass the mass not the mass. you and me have the conversation not the listener sitting individually in their car mm-hmm. the world goes he's singer he rapper me ape like that's what they do true <laughs> i mean zoos I mean, went nuts apes <laughs> for pits listen you guys i don't know the beginning of 2001 a space odyssey all those apes going nuts that's also the the, the discussions around this album okay. also i've gotten into crypto so i i've been a degen ape into some things lately so oh, if anybody's on is. that reddit you know oh boy oh boy matt jenny thoughts in in between i thought it was fine good for shinoda Jenny, he sounds good. Jenny, how respectful of our time is this album? This album comes in at 43 minutes and 23 seconds. Cooks! Truly. Like Moves. we're cooking right now. Like we're cooking, oh, baby. Yeah, let's keep cooking. All right. Up next, we got In Pieces. This song, this song reminds me of something like Breaking the Habit, um, but also with a lot of the guitar sound on it, it definitely sounds like they were listening to the indie rock of the mid-2000s and decided to incorporate it here. Um, this is another one that I'd kind of, I, I really kind of forgotten a lot of the back half of this record, and I thought this was pretty solid. I enjoyed this one a lot. Jenny? Yeah, I agree. I thought it was pretty good. It was interesting, and I don't know, kind of was a little bit boppy. And I enjoyed the bop at the end. Who doesn't love a bop? I, I love that sound, and I love the tempo and the 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 movement of the of that song. I really really liked. Here it is. It's the last song on the record. The last song on the record. We've got the little things give you away.
So Matt, this Buddy. is, uh, as you probably noticed, a six-minute song. That's um, quite a bit. The chorus does not hit till 2.25. Well, you got to give um, it time. They got to give it time. And you can kind of let this run as we talk a little bit. Um, so Aminis.com thinks this song's about Hurricane Katrina. Um, I think that tracks it. Just about a lot of records in this time period had uh, a Hurricane Katrina song or two. A few people made full Hurricane Katrina albums. Drought um, 3. Drought 3, of course. Um I um one of my personal favorites is the Twilight Singers Powder Burns, incredible Katrina record. Um, this makes sense for it. I think Chester's vocals very strong on this song. Um, this is a cool guitar solo. Um, these guys did not hesitate with this new direction, and you definitely get that. This is like like cementing that. Like they could have gone out and done like a like there's no Mr. Han track on this album, you know. They they could have they could have gone a different couple different ways and this is just sort of like laying down the law. This is us. This is us on this record, Jenny. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I really, I thought this song was good if long, um, but a nice way to close out the record. Matt, um, kind of just hearing what I heard, it sounds like sounds like that slow build that 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 fizzle not a fizzle out but just kind of like slow slow out sad out slow out a sad out indeed and that is the record minutes to midnight by lincoln park is now the part of the show where we talk about cannon talk jenny we'll start with you i would say i think that this record is very good uh it's definitely a change in direction it's not new at all I think it's, I like this direction for them, uh, but nothing for the canon for me. Yeah, I agree. This record was actually better than I remembered it. So I'm a little less, a uh, little less f- frosty than I was back in 2007. Um, and uh, I definitely think it, it kind of, uh, uh, it shows uh, that they could be a little bit more expansive than I think I gave them credit for. Um, I do think that when, they do something really well though they i think they kind of like well let's try that a couple more times and it's maybe like the one like leave out all the rest best ballad i think on the album and i think everything else is kind of like a lesser ballad of that um bleed it out still love it bad video aside still love it uh but i agree this isn't really anything um new metal and so i have nothing for the canon matt you know uh i really enjoyed hearing this record i had never heard it before in its entirety you could see you can hear what they're going for you can hear their influences but i think the thing that separated lincoln park is that they created the lincoln park sound that thing that became the world beater of the first of hybrid theory that thing that they continued and had in their in their subsequent releases here, I just hear their influences and their desire to go in that direction, which methodically completely makes sense because, you know, everybody makes fun of Metallica for the Black Album because it was like this radical, which seems ridiculous to say today, but like this huge shift from what they were. But it's like, tonally, it makes sense. And from an audience standpoint, it makes sense. There isn't a new metal audience anymore. They don't want to go in that direction. So who are they going to go and what sound are they going to take? And they're like, well, our touchstones are U2 and Depeche Mode. So we're going to lean into that more. But in, but instead of being like, 
differentiating, you can hear them directly, and it isn't this cohesive band. It's Linkin Park doing these in the style of. And I think that's the thing that hurts this record the most, because there's a lot of good songs on here. But when I go, this is with or without you, or this is um, you know, strange love, strange love, then it's then I think that overall hurts the album. Nothing for the canon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately though, this is not the record that ultimately was considered most divisive by the band. That would be the next one. That's the one where they said that they lost people for real. So there you go. And that just brings us to another end of an episode of Roach Coach. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on all those. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, Jenny, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt, thank you. Thank you. Don't wake Rick Rubin out on the way out. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I dreamed I was missing. You were so scared.